Spoilers, spoilers, spoiler season with us. New cards! Welcome to episode 5 of Spoiler Season, uh, looking at the latest and greatest in Kaladesh spoilers. So today we got a lot of powerful cards. Absolutely. Very excited to talk about these with you. So let's get started with Lanthu Helion. Laugh new. Totally. Yeah. Reading. Reading's hard. Yeah, man. So uh, this is a red two. That's why we do it for you, folks. Red two, four, four creature with haste. When Lath New Helion enters the battlefield, you get two energy. At the beginning of your end step, sacrifice it unless you pay two energy. This is a really aggressive card. Um, this is, I mean, this is what we've been talking about, right? We've said that it, it, there have been some hints that a red aggressive strategy might end up uh, being standard playable again. And this is the kind of card that that deck is looking for, right? This gives you the option of either casting, paying three mana, getting in that four damage and letting it die end of turn, or, you know, keeping it around for another turn to swing for four again. Um, additionally, you can use your energy from other sources, that, you know, red lightning bolt, uh, lightning strike that, that we had last time. You can use that energy to pay for its existence as well. And maybe you don't even need to worry because maybe this thing is just going to die, right, after you cast it so you don't have to worry about using the energy to keep it around and you get to put it towards something else. But it's just so good that, like, in these aggressive strategies, three mana for a 4-4 four, four, that's swinging immediately on turn three. If you think about that, especially if you're on the play, oh. like, what, what do they have? A, a Sylvan Advocate? And you're swinging with a 4-4 four, four haste that just runs it over? Yeah. And you know, if they reflect your mage it, I, I don't care. I get right. to cast this again. And you get the energy again. Get the energy again. And you get to swing with it right away. Right. And and do they even block it? Because you might just let it die end of turn if you value the energy more than the body. Sure, sure. And you can hold up any kind of trick that makes energy to, to, to you know, well, I guess you, you can't because it shows <laughs> at the end step. But, you know, they it's hard for them to know what you're going to choose, whether you're going to choose for it to keep it around or not. Sure. Harness Lightning is great, so this is just another way to make it bigger. Yeah, I like this too with the uh, two mana three two from yesterday. The um, what was it called? The Voltaic Brawler. Right. Right. This was the red green three two. Yeah, and this also has ETB get two energy. Right. So like, if you curve these into each other, this can stay around for three turns Absolutely. if you choose Easily. not to pump the Voltaic Brawler. Um, or you can use the energy from the Helion to pump the Voltaic Brawler more. Um, I just think, I think this card, this is definitely standard playable, construction playable. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this card. Me too. Next up, Madcap Experiment. This is red three for a sorcery. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Madcap Experiment deals damage to you equal to the number of cards revealed this way. So this is hurting you. Yeah, so this card is, at least so far, does not appear to be for standard. No. Um, this looks like it is a card for modern. Um, it's very similar to Ad Nauseum, right? Where you basically get to go through your deck and say you find what you want, and then you take a bunch of damage. Ad nauseum deals with this by using either Phyrexian Unlife or Angel's Grace, which stops you from losing the game. Um, this card feels like you might want to use it with something else. Uh, because it's damage and not loss of life, there's more ways to deal with damage 
than loss of life like ad nauseum causes. So for example, uh, I've seen talk about this card plus uh, Deflecting Palm, right? Where basically you don't run artifacts, you play this card, you cast Deflecting Palm, uh, opponent dies. Um, I've also seen it with uh, a card called Hallow, which is white instant. The next time a sorcerer deals damage to you, prevent that damage, uh, you gain that much life instead. So, <laughs> you know, you get So this to... is tutor for the card that you want and gain a bunch of life at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that's actually great. Maybe it's fine. It feels like the best thing you can get. So, like, people usually go to, okay, what's the best artifact that you can get? Blight Steel Colossus, right? It's the 11 11 infect trampler monstrosity. Right, that just like can win games. The problem, of course, is like Blight Steel still dies to Path to Exile. Right. Um, and this doesn't give Blight Steel haste either. Um, and it just feels like if you wanted to do a Blight Steel sh- strategy, then Shape Anew is maybe the better route to go. Um, one thing you could do with this is you could get Platinum Imperion, uh, which is uh, for those of you who don't know, it's an eight mana artifact creature. It's an eight eight. And as long as it's on the battlefield, you can't lose the game. So, basically, this puts it onto the battlefield. Then it tries to deal damage to you, and that's fine, but you don't lose the game. Okay. So it's like you uh, have the worship tacked on. Yeah. Basically, have a worship tacked on to the Platinum Imperion, um, as long as you control the Imperion. And it's, you know, it's an interesting card. Again, it, it has the same flaw as Blightsteel. It dies to path. Um, but it doesn't actually die to much else that sees play in modern. Hmm. Um, I guess it dies to slaughter pact or I'm trying to think of like what else sees murderous cut maybe, but like neither of those see a ton of play. So it's more or less equivalent to a blight steel. I guess it doesn't kill your opponent as fast, but you also don't need to kill them as fast because uh, you you can't die. <laughs> so um, <laughs> no rush. You're right. That might be a card to get. Uh, the last artifact I've seen talk about getting is trying to build this into a Goblin Charbelcher shell. Um, and Goblin Charbelcher is a deck in Legacy, right, where you're basically tapping this uh, Charbelcher, and you uh, go through your deck until you hit a land, and then for all the revealed cards, you deal damage to your opponent equal to the number of cards revealed. So if you can somehow build this into a deck that's not running many lands and is only running Charbelchers as artifacts, then you should be able to go through, find the Charbelcher, and then immediately go through the rest of your deck and kill your opponent. But then, like, you still need to build in a way to survive the damage from the Madcap experiment, which seems a little awkward. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing if there's a shell around this. Um, the damage seems like both the thing that makes this tricky in a bad way and the thing that maybe you can actually use in your favor to kill your opponent. It might give you an edge over some of the other strategies. Um, but this is certainly a combo piece, uh, and it's a combo piece that I'm looking forward to seeing what people do with in Modern. And you never know, maybe we'll get something in Standard that makes it makes it playable. Uh, it seems a little unlikely, uh, just because <laughs> the, the card selection doesn't really exist for a combo deck like that that's kind of looking for specific pieces, as opposed to the you know, mono blue prison deck, which is kind of com- has elements of combo, or blue green crush, which has elements of combo, um, but has a lot of redundant pieces and can basically stall the game until it finds the the ones that it needs. Right. Yeah, I think combo decks in standard seem powerful, right? So we we don't expect usually to get all the pieces that we need for like a really consistent good combo. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
the best we have right now is probably cat pact right donate um demonic pact to your opponent and watch them die uh i guess the other one we have which actually gets better with rotation um is triskaidekaphobia plus tree of perdition yes because pain lands rotate and if pain lands rotate your opponent can no longer instant speed change their life total precisely so that that you know is another possibility for a combo deck um but yeah, generally, like we, it's been a while since we've seen like a true combo deck in standard. We've seen certainly seen decks with combo elements, right? Team or Battle Rage become immense was an aggro deck that had a combo that basically won you the game in it, um, but not a dedicated combo. The other combo deck we've had recently was Four and a Half Color Company, right? With Brood Monitor, Displacer, and uh, what was the last piece? Oh, um, you can use it with uh, Zulaport Cutthroat to kill them. Right. Yeah. And even that deck too, right? That It didn't need that combo to win. That combo was just kind of a safety valve that would allow you to win if the game went long enough. Right. And even with Side Out in game two. So sure. not usually a standard strategy, but Madcap Experiment is certainly an exciting card for Modern. Yeah. Next up, we have a cycle of three artifacts, uh, all of which are modules. And we're gonna, I'm going to read all three of these at once, even though they, we'll talk about them individually, but they do have some interaction with each other. So the rare of the cycle is the animation module. This is a one-mana artifact. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are placed on a permanent you control, you may pay one. If you do, create a one-one colorless servo artifact creature token. It also has the ability to pay three and tap it, choose a counter on target permanent or player, Give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. So that works with poison, it works with energy, it works with charge counters, plus minus one counters, loyalty counters, any kind of counter. That's animation module. Um, so then we have decoction module. Two mana artifact. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you get an energy counter, and you can pay four and tap it and return target creature you control to its owner's hand. And then the last one is fabrication module, which is three mana. Whenever you get one or more energy counters, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control, and you can pay four and tap it to get an energy. So the first thing we'll get out of the way is yes. If you put all three of these things together uh, and you have some way to either get a creature on the battlefield, uh, get an energy counter, or put a plus one plus one counter on something, you end up with this kind of loop of triggers where you basically can pay X mana to put X one one servos on, into play. Um, and also put X plus one plus one counters onto some servos. Um, so that's a pretty powerful combo. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Thopter Sword in that you're basically, it basically allows you to pay X, just sink all your mana in and create an army of one one tokens. The difference being that uh, the Thopter Sword combo gives you a bunch of life. This combo gives you really big tokens because it gives you plus one plus one counters. Another key uh, difference is that this is a three card combo. A lot of cards. That's a lot of cards. Like, sure, you can be on the. I think this is gonna be like you could build a tier four deck where you're running Sahili Rai and you try to alter and put these three pieces into play, and then you just go wild and have fun. But it seems like you blow up any of these pieces if you're an opponent, uh, or like, or multiples of these pieces are bad, right? You don't really want to draw multiple of any of these. You're looking for one of each. Um, so I, I don't really think it'll be very competitive. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe 
Maybe there'll be enough uh, searching up artifacts and maybe you can do a madcap experiment to fetch up the missing piece. Uh, <laughs> realistically, though, it's not going to happen. So looking at these in isolation, uh, fabrication module the, is the, the last one I mentioned. The three mana artifact is the most expensive um, and basically has pay for, put up plus and plus one counter on something and you get an energy counter. I, I don't really love this. Um, I think the only place this would see play is in a, an aggressive energy deck where if this, you know, so we've talked about Lath New Hellion, we talked about um, the green red thing, Voltaic Brawler, uh, which both have ETB produce energy. I think somewhere there's a card that whenever it attacks, it produces energy. Yeah, whenever uh, it deals combat damage to a player. Sure. So something like that, which you're kind of doing it incidentally, and then you get to make all of your guys bigger and bigger, uh, help to stay competitive as we go into the mid game and your opponent starts playing bigger creatures than you but at the same time it's three mana right that's kind of a lot and i don't you know if i'm on the beat down plan maybe i i don't want to play this um, i'm just trying to think of a shell where maybe this would be good i think this is the least likely of the three to see competitive play but it's certainly not impossible for it to do so if it finds the right very specific shell um that that wants to is willing to spend a card to continue to make its creatures big and is able to do so reliably, right? And that's like a several things that need to happen, right? right? Needs to be willing to spend a card to make stuff big. Needs to be able to produce energy reliably to do so. Probably wants to go wide. Like, very specific requirements for this card to be good. I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't think it's very good. I, I'm with you. I don't think there's going to be a constructed strategy that meets all the requirements that makes this good. I just, you know... I think the most likely shell is something like you said, like a more aggressive beatdowny deck, and I just don't think this is what they want to be doing. I agree. Yeah, like why pay three mana and do this when you could pay three mana and get a four four haste that produces energy? Absolutely. Right. Uh, the next one is the one that I'm the most excited for in standard, uh, decoction module, which is with the two mana uh, thing, and it has the creature ETB. You get an energy. I don't care so much about that. I care a lot more about the ability to pay for, tap it, and return a target creature you control to its owner's hand. A repeatable bounce effect is pretty sweet, right? Um, now, Eldrazi Displacer does more or less the same thing, but makes it so you don't have to cast it again, which on the one hand, if you're just looking to get value out of ETBs, then Displacer is probably better. But... Displacer requires colorless mana. Mm -hmm. This does not. Second, we do have a set of cards right now that very much want to be cast as opposed to just ETB. Uh, you can lock, like, mind, semi-mindslaver lock your opponent with this plus Emrakul, right? If you go late enough, like, sure, they get their extra turn every time, but who cares? You get to control every other turn that they take, and then you get a turn every turn. Uh, like, it seems very powerful. Um, and finally, this also serves the role that Displacer does in that you're able to, as long as you have four mana up, you can just counter any removal spell that targets a creature you control. Um, and often these kinds of effects are good just with the threat of them. Like, you rarely are you going to have to actually use it. If your opponent sees you have four up, they're not going to cast the spell, and you can save that mana for something else if you want to, um, or just permanently keep it up. So I, I think this is the most likely one to, to see standard play. Yeah, I like that it's two costs, so it's not super expensive to throw in a deck. And I like, before you actually mentioned, if you have seven mana, you can 
bounce and recast Reflector Mage every turn and lock them out of a bunch of creatures because every other turn they're not going to be able to play one of their creatures. Um, overall, though, I, I agree that this is the, probably the most likely to see standard play. I'm still skeptical. Um, that it actually will. Yeah. Sure. But but we'll see. I just I feel like, you know, the bounce, again, is flexible. Like, you can use it. Um, to re-trigger your cast, your ETB, to avoid removal. But I think we have other things that do each of those better. It's just we don't have other things that do all of those. Flexibility. Flexibility is good. Um, I do think, though, like you mentioned, the two mana cost is very cheap and good. Um, and four is a bit much, right? Leaving up four mana all the time yeah. to do this is a bit much. Although, like, if we get some better counter spells, then it's a nice option to where you can kind of put them in the role that Bant Company put opponents, where... Four mana could represent Company, it could represent Ojitai's Command, if you have five up, it could represent Avacyn, and you represent all these different things which require your opponent to react differently to each one, and it's impossible for them to choose correctly, right? Especially if you have multiples. And I think this could lead to a similar situation where you leave up four to basically be a counterspell against any of the removal, or to bring back a creature and get its ETB later, or to represent some kind of counter magic or draw spell or whatever. Um, so the, the flexibility is, is really nice for, like... a I alluded to is I think a little bit expensive. Um, this also allows you to recast the Gear Hulks, which are shaping up to be real good. Um, and we'll we'll talk about the blue one in a little bit, but just you know something else to keep in mind. Um, this is the one that I'll probably keep my eye on for standard play. Yeah. So our last artifact here that we mentioned is the rare. It's the animation module that um, whenever you get a plus one plus one counter, you also get a servo artifact if you pay one mana. This one. Uh, I've heard a little bit of chatter about seeing play in Affinity. I, I personally think that it's a little bit too cute and specific to be good in the deck. But if you have a Ravager out, right, which has that you can sack a creature to put a plus one plus one counter on the Ravager. Then when the Ravager dies, you can put the counter somewhere else on another creature. Um, basically what this does is says it gives Affinity a mana sink where they can sack a creature to Ravager, put a plus one plus one counter on it, pay a mana, get a servo, which is an artifact. So you sack that, put a counter on the Ravager, pay one, get a servo, and you just basically have the ability to pay X and put X counters on Ravager. And that's pretty sweet. In particular, in the late game, that's a really nice ability to have. And then you just sack the Ravager, put it on Ink Moth, and poison them to death uh, with plating or whatever you want. Um, so it's powerful. I just don't know that that you want to make a cut, right? Like, that, like this is better than anything that Affinity is already doing. The deck want, is, wants to be very fast and aggressive. And like, while it's nice to have some late game, they kind of already do. Like, plating provides a lot of inev inevitability for that deck. And I don't know that you need um, something like animation module. Although, you know, you never know. Yeah. How so, do you think about the second ability? Uh, which is the you three mana tap, choose a counter on a permanent or player and, and uh, put it another counter there it's basically a proliferate effect right so <laughs> i of course i'm excited about the fact that you can up your planeswalkers but it reminds me of the gideon oath that had your planeswalkers come in with one more loyalty and that's on no play right like it's cool to be one step closer to your alt and especially with these planeswalkers we're seeing where their alts are a pretty fast clock and like a definite win it's just still not good enough. Yeah. I also want to note that this is yet another card referencing plus and plus one counters. Uh, there have been a lot of cards that we've seen, including at lower rarities like Uncommon, 
where they care about plus and plus one counters. And it looks like we have kind of a plus and plus one counter sub-theme here. Um, certainly Fabricate enables that because your Lightyear creatures will have them. But something to keep it keep your eye on, um, if we end up getting more plus one plus one counters matters cards, then animation module could become a lot better. Right. So moving on to the third Gear Hulk in our cycle. This is the blue one, Torrential Gear Hulk. Blue, blue, four for a five, six flash. When Torrential Gear Hulk enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card would be put into the graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Big fan. Big fan. Yes. So tell us why. Um, I think uh, that this... The fact that this card has flash and such a large body, particularly the six toughness, means that you can do some really broken things. Um, you know, Goblin Dark Dwellers saw a decent amount of play in Grixis decks, Grixis Control. Um, there weren't any other really red control decks, or, you know, they probably would have used Dark Dwellers as well. Um, and Dark Dwellers was really the reason to play Grixis Control, right? It was that and Jace. Uh, and I guess, like, Chandra closes out games fast. Um, but Dark Dwellers, you know, uh, when you play the Mirror, you cast Infinite Obliteration naming Dark Dwellers, not Jace, uh, because Dark Dwellers is so crazy good in the deck. Um, and then he's the ability to loop it with Colgon's command, etc. This thing, yeah, it only casts instants. I don't really care. Like, I'm getting to cast this on my opponent's turn. I can now, you know, block and kill one of their attackers. Uh, if we assume that, so, like, best case scenario, they swing with, like, a Sylvan Advocate, okay? I flash in Gear Hulk, block Advocate, flashback murder, kill another creature. They've lost two of their creatures, and I have a 5-6 standing behind. That is a three for one for six mana. That's really, really, really good. Um, I think this card's fantastic. Um, in modern, like, this could see modern play. Uh, it sounds a little crazy to say that a six mana creature that doesn't just win you the game could see modern play, but Snapcaster Mage, right, has a, is, is, is super played in blue decks, um, and Snapcaster doesn't actually cost two mana. Right, unless you're playing it in ambush viper mode, where you're like, "Oh no, I need to. I'm gonna die. I need to block something," or "Oh, you know what? I'm so far ahead. I need to close out the game. Let me just cast a two-one and beats." So realistically, you're gonna cast uh, Snapcaster usually for four. Um, you do say, "Okay, I'm gonna flash back a mana leak or a terminate uh, or something like that." At most, you'd cast it for six, where you're going Snapcaster, Flashback, Cryptic Command. But that's also a hard thing to do because Cryptic requires triple blue and Snapcaster requires single blue, which means you're required to pay four blue mana, which is a lot in modern. Um, this thing, you're paying, you know, if you're flashing back Cryptic, you're paying the same cost, six mana, but instead you get a five six instead of a two one. Uh, if you are flashing back a mana leak, right? You're paying two extra mana for a 5-6 instead of a 2-1. That's a really, really big difference because a 5-6 doesn't die to a lot of the things that a 2-1 dies to. Abrupt Decay misses it. Bolt misses it. Those are two really common spells that are nice to miss it. And then in, in going back to standard briefly, uh, you know, the biggest edge this has over Dark Dwellers uh, is that because we don't, haven't seen any like super powerful expensive instance yet. And that's not to say that we won't, and maybe that'll become really relevant, but this can flash back counter magic. And that's something that Dark Dwellers cannot do, uh, which I, I think is really nice. And the like flash is so good. 
Yeah. Flash is so good. We've seen that. We've seen how good Flash is in the Coco decks, holding up for Avacyn and Coco um, and Elder Deep Fiend, right? The ability of now a control deck to be like, yeah, I'm going to flash in my finisher, which also has a removal spell tacked onto it and can ambush a creep. Like, it's just, it's really good. Yeah. Floating blue mana is always scary. Or open blue mana. Yeah. And now it becomes even scarier. <laughs> I'm really happy they gave blue a card like this. Like, honestly, blue has been not seeing a ton of play. The reason, the only reason to play blue was Jace. Jace. And Jace is rotating. So, like, no. what reason is left for us to play blue? Uh, Dragonlord Silumgar is rotating, right? Those, like, those two cards are the ones that we played. Elder Deep Fiend, sure, people run that. But, like, eh. Like, that's kind of an incidental thing that you're doing in, in your Eldrazi deck that really wants to cast Embercool and use it to buy time. This is kind of the kind of deck that a blue control deck um, really needed to, hopefully with support, get back on the map. Because we do need good instance for this card to be good. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I have very high hopes for Torrential Gear Hulk. Awesome. Me too. Even though I don't play blue. Nah. <laughs> uh, last up is one of my favorite because I do play green. Nissa Vital Force. So this is Nissa's Planeswalker card. Just want to point out on the art, this is one of the first Nissa cards where she's not in a forest with some trees. Shia! <laughs> um, so anyways, she's a five cost, green, green, three for five loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, untapped target land you control until your next turn, it becomes a five, five elemental creature with haste. It's still a land. Minus three, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. And minus six, you get an emblem with whenever land enters a battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. So a couple things to point out here. First, the plus ability. It's not an optional. If you want to grow her, you have to make a land a creature. So you are putting your lands in danger to removal spells, um, but you don't necessarily have to put them in combat. Uh, but this is a great way for Nissa to protect herself, right? 5-5 five, five body is one of the biggest creatures we've seen Nissa make. Um, and it lasts until your next turn. So she can be on the offensive or she can be on the defensive, depending on what you need. Another thing to point out here, she, she ults in two turns. <laughs> like the turn you come down, you plus her to six and then you can alter six and you're getting her emblem and drawing a, a, a card every time you play a land right away. Throw in some Oath of Gideon. <laughs> and then you alter the turn she comes down. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think that that is too cute. Um, I think that it is worth testing. I think that, honestly, being able to pay five mana and then just for the rest of the game when you play a land, you get to draw a card, that's a really powerful thing to be doing. That might not be the right thing to be doing with Nyssa. Um, that might not be a thing that every deck wants to do with Nyssa, but it's something that's worth testing. Absolutely. Uh, especially, you know, at five mana, this is a little bit later in the game. This might be when you're doing more top decks. You maybe have all the lands that you need and you just want action. This turns every one of your lands into at least an extra card and potentially action. Your top decks are better than your opponents. Absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, if you have this in a control deck, if you are way ahead and you want to be beating down, then you can start taking her up and hitting with the five, five. 
If you are not super ahead, then you can tick up once, block something with the 5-5, five five, and then just alter. And then for the rest of the game, you're good, right? Uh, we've seen Seasons Past decks play copies of Nissa's Renewal. Nissa's Renewal with a Nissa Emblem <laughs> ends up becoming, you know, 6 mana, gain 7 life, find 3 lands, draw 3 cards. That's a, that's a very powerful card to do all of those things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, usually when we evaluate Planeswalkers, uh, it's... You, know, you kind of just ignore their ultimate um, because it usually is not relevant and like it just usually wins the game and they're all pretty much the same. But Nissa like is is closer to Gideon in that she can ult super fast and that's a realistic path to take with her um, in terms of what you want to be doing with with Nissa. Yeah, it's it's a utility ultimate and it's not an automatic win, but it's a huge huge advantage throughout the rest of the game. Yeah. I've been really impressed by, like, we got Chandra, and Chandra looked absurd, right? I think she's modern playable, um, and she's going to be defining uh, in standard. And Nyssa, Nyssa's, like, just as good. Nyssa might be better. She might not be, but she's she's very, very powerful. And we're getting these two Planeswalkers, which are both busted in this set. Uh, green and red, just with these support, is looking great, Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's making me look back at green-white tokens and say, I can go turn four Gideon, zero it, get a 2-2, two, two, turn five Nyssa, tick up, now I have 12 power on board? Yeah, on turn five. Yeah, and that's Swing without... right away. Right, ignoring if I played a Sylvan Advocate or a Track or anything like that. Like, again, Nyssa and Gideon look very good together. Um, yeah. And I also, we kind of skipped over her minus ability. That's also a good, really good ability right um you can minus three you can get back gideons you can get back um sylvan advocates whatever which speaking of sylvan advocate you might be something you want to get back with nissa because it turns the lands that nissa makes into seven sevens yeah as if they need to be more powerful right uh yeah i like this i think that nissa so we mentioned that chandra is one of those just kind of super powerful cards that fits into pretty much any red deck that you know it can afford to pay red red on turn four um nissa i think is maybe requires a little bit more finesse but is similarly powerful in that i can play her in a mid-range deck and get onto the tick up and tick down plan where i'm gonna be making some five fives getting some card advantage etc etc um if the board gets clogged maybe i just go for the minus six and try to uh, draw better than my opponent um or i can play her in a control deck and if i play her in a control deck then we alluded to earlier, this can be your win condition where you're beating down, or this can just be a card advantage engine, right? And if you're running multiple copies, once you alt the first copy, uh, you're going to find the second one. Um, and when <laughs> you find the second one, you can even minus three her and get back the one that you ulted already, right? And then you get to start taking up, and when they kill that one, you just play the second one. Absolutely. I think this is very powerful. Yeah. I think she's really good. She's going to see a ton of play in standard, as is Chandra. I, I agree. I think she's very powerful. I do think she's pretty flexible, and uh, you alluded to she could be in a mid-range, she could be in control. Um, the other thing we didn't mention is um, her first ability does untap target land you control. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of a ramp there, too. Definitely. I mean, she's she's just all around really good. Yeah. You do have to watch out because you don't want to, if you're finding yourself really stuck on land, you might not want to play Nyssa because ticking her up opens the lands to removal spells, which I think you mentioned earlier. Um, and I think that, so, you know, again, overview of her abilities, the plus one is very good. 
The minus three is solid utility. I don't know how often it will be used. It might be used like once and then you just tick her up. And the minus six to me is the biggest question mark. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to quite evaluate this. I I mean, it, it's good, really good. But the question is like, do you want to be doing that over taking her up? And I'm not right. sure. I think that's going to come down to what the format looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a 5-5 five five is really solid. I, I think the ideal is you tick her up, you tick her up, you alt, and then you keep ticking her alt, but up. But you have to have a solid enough board to protect her when she, when she goes to such low loyalty. But we've seen that some with Gideon, right? People will tick her up, alt him, and then keep using him if they have enough protection. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so that's it for the cards from today. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how much longer wizards can keep this up. They're just dumping these. These cards are so good. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, going back at our like the mythics we've had. Like, we're we're, we're seeing uh, support for aggro decks finally because we haven't had aggro decks. I think without aggro decks, like, Emrakul is just the best thing to be doing. And hopefully, these red uh, aggro decks will keep Emrakul in check. The two Planeswalkers we've seen are extremely powerful. So Hilly Rai, meh. Eh. You know, maybe she'll be a combo beast. I think that Sahili Rai gets better once we've seen that Gear Hulks, because now we get to copy Gear Hulks, get in a hit, and then all the Gear Hulks have great ETBs. I'm really happy with the Gear Hulks in kind of a fixed Titan cycle, whereas the Titans were way too good. Then we saw the Soul cycle, and the Souls were pretty bad. I think this is a sweet spot. Uh, the Gear Hulks look to be very competitive, but not oppressive like the Titans were. Agreed. And looking forward to the fourth and final Planeswalker of the set, whenever that will be spoiled. Yeah, Mero has confirmed that we get four Planeswalkers in Kaladesh, um, and we have three. The last one, I believe, is going to be Dovenbon, who is uh, white, possibly white-blue, but pretty confirmed to be white. We'll have to see. So that's it. Uh, you can find us on Tumblr, uh, spoilerseason.tumblr.com. Twitter, uh, uh, we are spoiler underscore season. Uh, and we also are finally up on Google Play. So you can find us on the Google Play store. Uh, we're up there, spoiler season. Uh, we're on iTunes, spoiler season. And we are on SoundCloud, spoiler season. So subscribe to us if you want to subscribe. Uh, Google Play and iTunes are probably the best way to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're happy to hear any feedback you guys have, and hopefully you've enjoyed what we've seen, what you've heard so far, uh, and we have, you know, like a week and a half more of this, so I'm excited to continue reviewing these cards. I'm excited to see more cards. This yeah. is awesome. We're finally getting to see, start, start to see the shape of standard, I think. We're seeing support for some shells, I'm getting more and more ideas for some possible decks that might bear testing for the pro tour i'm excited about the set yeah so that's it uh and we'll see you guys uh tomorrow i'm ryan i'm katie and this is spoiler Spoiler season. season